Welcome to another inspirational message from London Live Church. You're listening to our Sermon of the Week. It's uh, a wonderful opportunity for me to be here. I was here last year. How the year goes by. And uh, it was so beautiful worship uh, introduction. You know, when you go to some restaurants, the starter could be so good. You wonder if you're going to have a space for the main or the middle one. And uh, all the songs that you sang were just so beautiful, so beautiful. And you connected me to the last time I was here, actually. Uh, what a friend. When you sang about the friend, he called me friend. Because the last time I was here, we looked into the um, story of the paralytic man who needed friends. And we said that to be sound-minded, you need at least to have four or five friends in life. Can you think of five friends that you can call at midnight because you run out of grocery and you want them to buy something because you've got visitors coming? Or you are out there with a flat tire and you want them to come and help you because you don't have an insurance. So mental health experts say at least everyone needs four or five friends. And that paralytic man had actually four friends. That's all you need for people to carry you when you're alive or when you go for good. At least four people. But the good part of that story was the four friends could not do everything for him. But the four friends could take him to a better friend. Everyone in life needs friends that will take you not to where they want you to, to, take, to take you, but to where you want to go. And that man was determined and wanted to go to Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus who is not ashamed to call us friends. And in that Jesus, even though he came through the roof, he had all the answers that he needed in life. So friends, you might not always succeed to have best four friends, but rest assured, you have one good friend that is just enough. When you can say like that paralytic man by Bethesda, I have no man. You don't need any if you have Jesus with you. And that brings us to what we are going to discuss today. What about if you were to have a friend who is better than a brother? Wouldn't that be a double blessing? That's what the Bible says. A good friend, better than a brother. And what we're going to study this afternoon or evening is going to remind each one of us that in God, not only do we have a friend, but we have a big brother. You know, when we're young, we always wish, you know, every, every child wishes, I wish I had a big brother. But when we look at ourselves, we can be proud that we have a big brother. And because of this big brother, we actually are very rich. We have great inheritance. 
We just need to know how to tap it. You know, when you talk about inheritance, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 4 talks about, you know, he starts by saying, blessed be God the Father and Jesus our brother. Why? Because in, in Jesus, we have all the blessings and inheritance of God. What a merciful Father we have. His mercy comes new every morning. He's begotten us again. Many years ago when I was at Central Adventist Church, and for some years I've been thinking of, what about having a Seventh-day Adventist Church that says second chance? A lot of people think after they have missed the first chance that there is no chance. It would be nice for people to know when they have gone away and they come back that there is a chance. But then I'm happy that I didn't pursue that because God is not a God of two chances or three chances. I have seen in my life I needed many chances from God. So he begotten us again and again. He gave us a living hope. The singers were singing, singing it. Jesus resurrected became an assurance and a guarantee of the inheritance that we can all access. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 11, our inheritance is not one which is corruptible or defiled, but one that is incorruptible and undefiled with a good legal transaction because we do not deserve that inheritance. But Jesus has made it possible for us to legally claim it. Friends, that glorious inheritance is for you, is for you, and for you. I want us, and I want the Holy Spirit to translate this to each one of us, so that when we leave from here, we would know that we have glorious and rich inheritance in Christ. The Bible talks a lot about inheritance. It says in Proverbs chapter 13, 22, a good man, a commendable man would always think of passing inheritance to his children. Some of you parents here, have you thought of inheritance for your children? Abraham prayed for a son because he had so much to give away, but he didn't have a son. Can you imagine? Somebody praying because somebody wants to pass an inheritance. When, we, when I think of God, God through Jesus Christ has prayed for each one of us to come and not lose this inheritance. What privileged people we must be. When the 12 tribes came out of Egypt, they were, each one of them was supposed to have inheritance. The good thing about God is when it comes to inheritance, there is no one that would be excluded. For no one deserved, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God is very happy to give everyone a portion of his inheritance. There was a method of distributing inheritance. The firstborn always gets a double. 
except in the family of Jacob, Joseph got double. It did not always follow, the double portion did not always follow chronology. Sometimes you can have like Esau and Jacob, and God decides who should get the double portion. Now you might be wondering, is that fair or unfair? Why should the older brother get a double portion? What is so unique about the older brother receiving a double portion? When Tamar was about to deliver a twin, even among the twin, you have to decide which one comes first. So as the first one came out, the midwives put a scarlet thread around the, the arm so they would know which one came first. Such was the distribution of inheritance that people were very careful on how they allocate. And in Luke chapter 12, verse 13, a man actually came to Jesus and said, I see that you are a failed person. You could do what the courts cannot do. Can you please tell my brother to share the inheritance? In every culture, in every situation, people are very concerned about inheritance. God refers to Israel as the firstborn son. This is why God wanted to bless Israel and give them a double portion. Now we're going to later on realize what it means to get a double portion. It comes with responsibility. When you have been given much, guess what? Much is expected of you. Is that fair? Sounds fair. So the, the people of Israel were a very privileged people because God saw them like the first son. But the Bible talks about another son, the only son. And he claims before Abraham was, I am. Abraham was not older. Jesus said, I'm older. And the beautiful thing about this older brother is, before Adam was, Jesus can say, I am. Isn't that a wonderful thought? That God, before creating us, actually thought of us better than Adam. Adam was to take us into a, a path of destitution. But before he even created Adam, heaven made an assurance of making a big brother to all of us. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 18, Jesus is actually referred as the firstborn. In the mind of God, it was not Adam who was created first. In the mind of God, not only was Jesus taught about, but actually Jesus was crucified a lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth. You know, our God is a responsible God. He just, he's a responsible creator. He just does not create and leave us alone. He always makes an assurance of our well-being. How many parents can afford to have an assurance for their children before they are even born? Some children think, oh, you just brought me by accident anyway. But God taught of the human family. And God wanted to have a human family. 
And God wanted an assurance that the people that he has created would remain friends with him. You know, there is no greater title. It's not a head elder, the, the biggest title. It's not a conference president, the biggest title. To be called the friend of God is the highest title that anyone of us can aspire to. Abraham was called the friend of God. So when God has called you a friend, when, called, when God calls you my brother, that is the best you can get. So God told of us, in Romans 8, 29, it says the same thing. He told of us being secured with a better and unselfish big brother. And in John chapter 1, actually, he tells us when God told of this big brother and he sent him in due course of time, he is the only big brother that knows God the Father. Adam knew him, but not too well. But Jesus knows God the Father inside, outside. So much so, Jesus was full of the grace of God. Jesus can boldly say, whoever has seen me, has seen the Father. So when we, when we know the big brother, we can be assured it's exactly the same heart that God the Father has towards us. So Jesus was sent as the firstborn at the time of our destitution, at the, at the time of our total failure and bankruptcy. And he was sent full of grace in fullness of God. And as a result, the Bible uses the word grace for grace. Through Jesus, not only did, did we get an access to grace, but we got grace over grace. The glorious aspect of the inheritance of God that I have learned is that it's a bi-directional. What does that mean? It means God also wants to have inheritance. The inheritance of God are his people. And he does not negotiate with his inheritance. God looks after his inheritance very, very carefully and jealously. More jealous than a husband is towards his wife. And God says, you are my inheritance. And I look at you like the apple of my eye. Can you imagine anyone coming and trying to touch the apple of your eye? How defensive you will be? That's how God cherishes each one of us. So the glorious inheritance is bi-directional. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 11 and 12, Jesus came to reclaim the lost inheritance, you and me. And he says, out of the travail of his soul, he shall be satisfied. The satisfaction that Jesus gets is when a sinner is saved. When you and you and you come to God, his inheritance becomes bigger. And so in Isaiah chapter 53, it says, God is very happy with the big brother. And he would div divide him a portion with the great. So God the father and the big brother 
would share the inheritance, which is you and me. And the other side of inheritance is that God is our inheritance as well. And that inheritance was sent to us through Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So in Jesus, the whole heaven was given to us. The heaven was emptied to us. So we can sing, heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Because of Jesus, now we can become children, brothers. And because of this Jesus, now we can have inheritance and a mansion in heaven. Peter asked, we've been following you. What do we get? What's our portion? And Jesus did not hesitate to reassure him. You'll get a hundredfold. Can you imagine being compensated for something that you lost because of your own mistake? A hundred percent? A hundredfold? And that brings me to what I want to discuss with you. The parable of the lost. When you look at that story in Luke chapter 15, you have a lost ship, you have a lost coin, you have a lost son or sons. One in a hundred, one in ten. We often think the prodigal son family lost only one son. No, that sad father actually lost two sons. One within, one without. You could be lost in church, you could be lost outside the church. And the tragic one is to be lost inside the home. Because no one notices that you are drifting. But in your mind, you're just as miles away as your younger brother. I want us to look at the setting of chapter 15 of Luke. If you turn your Bible with me, Luke chapter 15. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but I'm just going to take you through so that you would individually study it later on. Now, as it opens, in chapter 15, there are three parables. Who is Jesus trying to address? You've heard a lot of sermons, and you have read some books. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew nearer to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So, Jesus spoke this parable to them, saying. Now, imagine there is Jesus and there is two camps of people. On one side are the sinners and tax collectors, the prodigals. The useless ones, the Westers, the ones that some community members would say they should be written off. It's people like this that give us a bad name. And on the other side are the Pharisees and the scribes, the elite of the community. They're very religious. 
The ones that claim when the church door opens, we should be the first to go inside. And we should walk in with our shoulders straight. And they were murmured, murmuring and saying, how come Jesus is befriending sinners? Doesn't he know? These are the law of the society, of the community. If he claims to be who he is, he should not be associating with people like this. So Jesus, being a good teacher, does not believe in unreasonable approach. The best way to convince people is to reason with them. You know, there are many animals that are much bigger than us. But their frontal brain, which is supposed to think, is smaller than their body. But when God made you and me, he made our thinking brain in proportion much bigger for our average height and weight. So God expects us to reason. Oh, how often we become unreasonable with each other. And oftentimes, we become unreasonable with God. But God, God has patience, unlike the friends and the people that we meet. He calms us down and says, let us reason. So, in these three parables, Jesus is actually accomplishing two things. One, he's making it absolutely clear what his mission is. And by so doing, he is reassuring the prodigals, there is a chance for you. You know, when you say something three times, you are hammering truth right to the heart. You could not miss if you have read something three times. Hearing these parables, the prodigals, the tax collectors, must have felt like jumping and praising God and rejoicing. Because they can't be sure that he is proud to be calling them friend. To be accepting them. To be giving them a chance. To be seen with them. To give them an inheritance. God was not ashamed of that thief on the cross. Even at the 11th hour of his life. This is, this is a truth that everybody ought to remember. It does not matter how many times he has fallen. A thousand times. But when thousand and one comes, look to God. And God will still accept you. Because God is not a God of chance, but chances. Equally, Jesus had a message. Jesus had a message for the Pharisees and the scribes. They were angry. Did they need to be angry? Did they need to complain? Older brothers? Shouldn't they care? They were the ones entrusted with the things of God. You know, in the world, there is a disparity in the relationship between the haves and the have-nots. The Bible makes it clear, the haves are there for the sake of the have-nots. If you have been blessed, it's because for the people that are not blessed. But they didn't realize they were actually obstructing the avenue for people to come to Jesus. 
When I think of the three parables, I think of three sections. The leaders, the church, individual families. When he's talking about the shepherds, he was talking about the leader's attitude to people. Oh, I have 80 people remaining still in church. Doesn't matter. 20 have gone. They were the troublemakers. That's not the mark of a true shepherd. In church, I had 10 coins. I've only lost one. I still have nine precious things that I can cherish. It doesn't work. And in the individual families, every parent would know, if you have 10 children and nine of them were brought up properly and one became the prodigal, your heart always thinks of the missing child. No one, none of the nine ones, no matter how successful they are, can take the place of the tenth one. Such is the heart of God that he has a place for you and you. No one can make him happy in that section unless you come to God yourself. So friends, from the head to the toes, God wants for all of us to have a very healthy attitude towards other people. The Bible says if the eye is healthy, then the whole body is healthy. It's our attitude which is very important. The attitude of the Pharisees and the scribes was very, very critical and damaging. It did not reflect the big brother's attitude. And it was not tuned to the heart of the father. When the big brother's heart is tuned to the father, the big brother rejoices when the other brother rejoices. The big brother weeps when the other brother weeps. The big brother prays and sometimes says, forgive him for he doesn't know what he does. Can you remember the two, went to, the two that went to the temple to pray? One was a big brother, one was a younger brother. It was always the prodigal and the big brother. And the big brother came, being big brother, shoulders straight, took the first seat in the church. And the time of prayer came, and he looked around, who else is here? And he looked at the younger brother, the prodigal. Oh, God. This week, I've been fasting and praying and giving my tithes. I did my Sabbath school study. I did my prayers, and I really want to thank you for who I am, the big brother. And he looked around and said, and I'm very happy that you didn't make me like the younger brother. What on hell is he doing in church anyway today? It's him. People like him who give us a bad name. But the prodigal was standing there. He couldn't even dare to look up. Father, forgive me. And of the two, the one that went out was blessing with the younger brother, the prodigal one. You know, when you think of inheritance, there is a perishable inheritance and the imperishable inheritance. Both the children 
had their eyes set on the perishable inheritance that they can get from the father. Yes, the father was a very rich man. He had a land, he had silver, he had gold, he had cattle. But it's not all perishable. But above all, the father had something else that he wanted to pass to his children. I think one of the mothers was praying to pass a legacy to her children. It touched me. You know, a lot of us, even being Christians, the kind of inheritance that we want to pass to our children is the perishable one. You must be educated. You must go for the highest job. I'll buy you a house. These are all perishable. What does it profit for a man to gain the whole world? You lose your soul. Friends, the best inheritance we can pass around is that which is imperishable. The father has always wanted them to learn from his heart, to be merciful, to be kind, to be generous, to be accommodating. Can you imagine if we all learned these things from our father? What kind of a church we would have? If the older brother would only learn from his father and would tap onto the greater and the glorious inheritance. The greater inheritance that God wanted to give us was to make us in his own image, in his own character. When we have the mind of God, when we have the heart of God, we are never poor. We're never poor. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Brothers and sisters, why do we go for the perishable inheritance? Sometimes even in the name of God, we want to use Christianity as a stepping stone for this world. And actually the Bible dis dis you know, describes such people to be pitied. Miserable people. To be using Christianity as a stepping stone for this perishable inheritance of this world. An Adventist lifestyle? Do you know how much it would give you? 10 years. At best, 15 years. What? You live extra 15 years? What does that mean? Jesus only lived up to the age of 33. The big brother. The life is not measured in amount, it's in quality. That's how God perceives it. So, the father in the prodigal son's story wanted to pass the imperishable inheritance to them. The glorious inheritance that would make them humans. That would make them brothers to stick together in one, in unity. But both their eyes were fixed on the perishable to the extent that they could not talk to each other. You know, I'm really happy that story is just a parable and it's not a true story. Because in the true story of your life and my life, our brother is not that big brother. Can you imagine coming home after having been to Australia or Canada or somewhere else and your big brother puts a mat in the front of the house that says, not you again? How would you feel? 
your own brother. And imagine in the prodigal son's story, as the prodigal came back to the house, if he was to be met by the big brother, what would have happened? Oh, gosh, not you again. He might have been asking the servants to chase him out. He wouldn't have had a chance to see his father. Thank God the father was there first. And when he saw him, I mean, you know how sometimes we rehearse some things when we have offended people? Okay, when I meet him, I'm going to first say this. No, no, that's not a good opening statement. I, you know, I'll open my statement by saying this. All this rehearsal for nothing. It didn't work. Because miles away, when the father saw him, even in those older age, you know, with cataract and whatever, he could not miss his, his son. Even how much disfigured he was, how much unlike his son he'd become, he could still sense him. He ran to him. He didn't ask for him to be washed. He's been with pigs, you know. But he kissed him around his neck. And he hasn't had a shower for a very, very long time. And then he was washed and changed. And the celebration starts. And then comes who? Big brother. He hears the celebration, the music. He says, what's happening? Why haven't I been told that there was going to be a party in the house? And one of the servants comes and say, well, you know, your brother has come. Your father is very happy. We're all happy. We're having a party. The prodigal son came for the inheritance that he, that he did not tap the first time. The first time, he sought his father for the perishable inheritance. But the second time, he came for who the father was. Merciful, kind, goodness. So much goodness in the house that even the servants can enjoy the goodness. David says, come and test the goodness of God. Nothing would keep us like testing the goodness of God. It doesn't help for me to tell you how good an orange is. You got to taste it. You got to see for yourself. When that Samaritan woman met Jesus at the well, and she went to the city and said, come and see. He stayed with them for two days for them to test him very well. You know what they said at the end of the two days? It's not because of what you told us, because you didn't tell us anything anyway. But because we have tested him, we have seen him, and in him there is so much goodness, not only for our town, but for the entire world. Such is the goodness, the inheritance that God has given to us through Jesus Christ. God is so good, unbelievably, unbelievably good. So the, so the prodigal son was able to be resuscitated. When the ship was reclaimed, there was rejoicing, God says, in heaven. When the coin was found, he told the Pharisees again, that is what makes, makes God happy. 
If you can't be happy where God is happy, you're not working with God. But the third time, this is what he had to say to the son, the father. He reasoned with him. Why shouldn't we be happy? Why shouldn't I do what I did? God, your brother was dead. And now he's alive. Son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. How sad to have always been with the father and not know the father. The illness called diabetics is a miserable illness. You have so much sugar in your system, but you cannot use it. The other word for it is starvation in plenty. There is plenty, but your body cannot assimilate it. It's sad. It's like a stone being in a river for years and years, and you take it out of the water and it's still dry. How is the older brother, without having run away like the, the prodigal son, having stayed with his father for so long, have not yet learned about his father? You've been with me so long, and all that I have is yours. But it was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost. And is found. The Pharisees and the scribes, if this could not change their mind, nothing would. Nothing would. He's literally telling them, come out of the way. You should have been paving the way. The big brother should have said, send me. It's a long time since my younger brother, we haven't heard from him. No emails, no text. We need to know about his whereabouts. Well, Joseph went to look for his brothers as a younger brother. An older brother is expected. Send me. I want to go. I want to make sure he's alive. He's safe. And if he was to find him in a very difficult situation, he would have paid his debt. He would have changed his clothes and said, wait here. I'll go to my father and ask for your forgiveness. And then I'll come back and get you and make peace between you and father. But that's not what this big brother did. Who shall I send? Who shall I send? When heaven asked that question, Jesus raised his arm and said, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are together. Who shall we send? And Jesus said, send me. Send me. Here I am. I have come to do your will. My son in whom I'm well placed. As we conclude, brothers and sisters, I want you to know that we have a big brother. Unlike the parable, we have a better big brother who has made it possible for us not only to inherit God, but that we also become God's inheritance as well. God has made a pledge with himself when he made man, that he will belong to us and that we would belong to him forever and nothing can become in between. And God 
as an assurance of that, gave us a big brother. So when we know that we have this big brother, we have nothing to be afraid. I want to encourage you to tap on this glorious inheritance. Seek God not for the perishable things, for the, but for the imperishable inheritance that he has put aside for you that no one can take. But unless you start to tap it now in this life, don't wait for the by and by. The inheritance of God is tappable, testable in this earth so that it can make a difference on how we relate to each other. God bless. This is the end of this broadcast. We hope you have been encouraged and inspired. For more information, please visit londonlivechurch.com. Mm-hmm.